that way, but they're they're more than that. You know, it is also design work. These are tools. These are products. The objects being made for other people, not just us, uh, to not just view, but to use, to interact with, and so they have to actually function. That's a tough one. You <laughs> might as well just ask me if I believe in God. So, um, <laughs> do you believe in God? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hello, and welcome to the Word Witch Podcast, where we talk about tarot, magic, and belief, and try to bust our thinking out of the binary through conversations with folks making magic from the margins. I'm Charlie Claire Burgess. I'm the creator of Fifth Spirit Tarot. I'm the witch behind the word witch, and I am your queer space captain on this podcast to Magic Land. On today's episode, we are going to be talking with Coleman Stevenson of The Dark Exact. Uh, this is such a good episode, it's such a rich conversation. We're talking about uh, oracle deck and tarot decks and creating oracle and tarot decks. Uh, Coleman has created like so many of both of those. <laughs> she is a true pro and truly prolific. So we talk about that. We also talk about being independent deck creators and uh, sort of the publishing side of that, like uh, printing your deck, um, the things of uh, running your own business as an independent uh, creator and all of that sort of stuff. We talked for so long that I couldn't fit it in one episode, nor could I make decisions uh, to <laughs> cut stuff out because it's just so useful and so good. Um, so I decided that we're actually going to do a part one and a part two. So on today's episode, uh, we'll be doing part one of my interview with Coleman. Uh, we'll be talking about Oracle and tarot deck creation uh, from the sort of art side and the planning, the uh, structure, like especially with Oracle decks, choosing a structure for the deck. And then then next week, so one week from today, we will uh, be releasing part two in which we go into the uh, other juicy details about uh, printing and publishing and running your own business and stuff like that. So I can't wait to uh, share both of these with you. And also, uh, Coleman was kind enough to answer some questions just for my patrons on Patreon. And uh, so my patrons on Patreon will be getting an extra like 30 minutes on top of that even uh, with some questions that are not on the podcast. Uh, so you can, of course, go and check those out at patreon.com slash the word witch tarot. Um, and now let me read you uh, a Coleman's amazingness. <laughs> Coleman Stevenson is the author of three collections of poems, Light Sleeper, Breakfast, and The Accidental Rarification of Pattern Number 5609. Several books about divination and creativity, including The Dark Exact Tarot Guide and two collections of card spreads, and a book of essays on creativity accompanying the card game Metaphysic. Her writing has appeared in many literary journals and, and anthologies and on the website tarot.com. In addition to her work as a designer of tarot and oracle decks through her company, The Dark Exact, her fine artwork exhibited in galleries around the Pacific Northwest focuses on the intersections between image and text. 
She has been a guest curator for various gallery spaces in in the Portland, Oregon area, and has taught tarot, poetry, design theory, and cultural studies at a number of different institutions there, most currently for the Literary Arts Delve series, which includes seminars at the Portland Art Museum. She is the co-curator of the Divination series Third Eye Sundays. Find her work at colemanstevenson.com and at dark and at dark exact on Instagram. And uh, those are also in the show notes for you. Also, before I forget, uh, you'll hear some background noises. Uh, Coleman and I recorded this in person. It was my first in-person podcast interview since the pandemic started. And so that was really exciting. Uh, it was also right as the Portland, the Pacific Northwest heat wave was ramping up. And so it was like already uh, in like the mid or upper 90s and uh, the window was open. And so occasionally you'll hear like a bus going by or you'll hear like our ice clinking in our glasses. So enjoy the ambiance. I hope you feel like you're sitting there with us. (laughs) So without further ado, uh, here is part one of my rich and amazing conversation with Coleman Stevenson. Stay tuned uh, next week for part two. Okay, here we go. Okay. Um, Hi, Coleman. Hi. (laughs) I'm so happy to be sitting here in your beautiful self-rearranging apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I walk in here, it's different and gorgeous and beautiful uh, to talk about uh, tarot and oracle decks and being an independent debt creator and all that stuff. And so uh, to start, I thought that I'd just like say a little bit about about you and I, uh, Coleman and I, and I go way back. Way back. <laughs> and um, grew up around the corner from each other and lost contact, like lost, t- lost touch for a long, long time. I won't say how many years. <laughs> long time. <though. laughs> a very long time. And uh, when we connected again, when I moved to Portland, uh, we discovered that we were both like into the exact same things and like uh, we're, we're like tarot readers and I wasn't yet a tarot creator, but Coleman was and uh, also writers like Coleman's a, an amazing poet as well as all the work that she does with um, with creating decks and creating uh, all of your other like deck cloths and essences and like all of your herbal things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's what I call them too. Yeah, herbal things. <laughs> All my herbal. Oh, things. oh, good. I'm glad that's the that's the technical term. Everything's <laughs> very vague. <laughs> um, and yeah, so there must have been something in the water where where we grew up. Oh, fluoride. <laughs> fluoride. <laughs> so I also have very good teeth. I used to, um, and then I moved to Portland, where they don't have fluoride in the water. <laughs> Um, we have not been <laughs> hired by the fluoride commission. We have not. To nobody sent me say these things. Nobody sent us hate mail about uh, fluoride in it the is, water. It's a hot topic, I so know. I actually try to steer clear. But I actually do credit, like never having a cavity. Yeah. To that. Yeah. 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 So that's. I mean, this was a surprising detour. Uh, this is now a podcast about <laughs> dental health. Dental hygiene. We can uh, edit some of this out later. <laughs> I love it. Um, 
So Coleman, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about what you've been doing recently or like any current work that you have going on that you want to share. Sure, 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 sure. Um, uh, it's been a year of redoing things, uh, new things as well, but um, several major uh, revamping projects. So the Dark Exact Tarot, which is the first deck I did, like, uh, what was that, six years ago now, maybe? A, a bit ago. Um, the Black Cards. I just did the fifth edition of wow. that deck. Uh, made some significant changes to the shape and size. Uh, the coating is different. It's matte finish now. Um, the cards didn't change a ton. There are some changes, mostly small changes, one entirely revised card. Um, but overall, it feels really different. And it also comes in a two-part rigid box. So I, I got a box professionally printed, like with white foil stamping. And oh. It's pretty amazing. Also amazing to not sit there and have to label every yeah. single box by hand. Because I you know, always try to keep costs down for these projects. And so I was printing labels myself and hand cutting them and sticking them on. Yeah. On it's metal, nice. on metal tins, which was a really, <laughs> it's a really good, like, I mean, maybe workaround is the right word, but that other possibility instead yeah. of getting a, like a tuck box or a, a box printed by the printer. Um, but yeah, yeah, hand, hand stickering those. It gets, a lot. it gets old, but um, <laughs> still hand stickering on some of the other decks. But uh, mm -hmm. so also did a second edition of the personal Oracle deck um, that just came out like last week. They just got here. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. Um, that one also changed shape and size. Um, and it is also, it has a different finish. It also has a matte finish. Um, there are 13 added cards wow. for that deck now. Okay. Uh, so it keeps growing. Um, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Yeah. And then I also did a major revision to my tarot guidebook, the, mm -hmm. the full-length guidebook. Um, it has quite a lot of new content in it, uh, and that just came out like a couple of months ago, yeah. maybe. I've lost all sense of time, but... <laughs> What, so, is, what is time in what the is pandemic? Time? What is time anyway? True. When you're self-employed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the, the guidebook is one, like your guidebook is one that um, I love and that I've learned a lot from the previous one. I haven't read the new content in the new one yet. And so I'm excited about that. And like I cite your guidebook in my guidebook. Oh. <laughs> um. And yeah, I was actually wondering, so um, if you wanted to or could share a little bit about your revision of the Hierophant. I know this wasn't in like the, the questions I sent to you beforehand, sure. but I loved the revised, like the choices that you made with how you re-illustrated that card. Thank you. It's got like a, like a, a tree on it and mm -hmm. I'll let you describe it more. But I was wondering like what inspired that change? Yeah. Um... So the original card, uh, it had a, a guardian lion on it. Um, a lot of the the objects in that deck are just things in my life, you know, things I have around the house, things I collect. And um, I just, I never loved the illustration that I had done for that card. It just didn't feel as solid to me as some of the others. Also, as much as I love the object that 
I illustrated that I, I have at home, um, it just didn't feel as personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, uh, I ended up using that tree image. The idea of the, the tree for the hierophant, it connected more to the other plant life that is in that deck. So that felt like a more natural fit right there. I also was thinking about just the age of, of some of those old mm-hmm. oak trees, how massive they are, um, how connected they are. It seems like a, a good symbol of, of something lasting, yeah. which connected to the, the concept of tradition and longevity that I so associate with the Hierophant card. Yeah. The other thing about the, using the oak tree or any tree really as the, the symbol for the hierophant, you know, also about flexibility, like we've been discussing or, or renewal, right? A chance for a renewal mm-hmm. with the, the rules and traditions that the hierophant represents. Sometimes you get stuck in your ways, right? But with the tree, you know, it sheds, sheds its leaves. Mm. Right. So it's this kind of cycle. There's this constant opportunity for renewal, for reexamining these long held beliefs, making sure that they still apply. Mm -hmm. So that was important to me too to depict in this. It's like an opportunity to sort of push out corruption, I guess. Oh, absolutely. So that that's important. Um, at the bottom of the card, I also have the alchemical symbol for iron repeated. Like that's what appears sort of as the roots mm-hmm. of the tree, mm-hmm. right? To symbolize like the strength. Um, I like I like that you added that because that makes me think of this year being a hierophant year, especially what you were saying about corruption and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, right. But also about renewal. Yes, absolutely. And and like weeding it out. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. True and. Shining and also just thinking about, you know, okay, so classic depictions of the Hierophant, it's all about the central figure of the Hierophant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you have the sycophants kneeling in mm-hmm. the front, <laughs> but, excuse me, the the devotees kneeling <laughs> in the front. Um, but here, I like to think about the the beliefs, the shared beliefs that as the foundation, the roots, you know, the, the trunk of the tree, but the community. Mm-hmm. Every person involved, every person who says, yes, I believe in this. I'm with you in this. Let's work together mm-hmm. is like a leaf on the branches of this tree. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We're all here. Yeah. Not just that figurehead. Yeah. Not just the rule maker. Yeah. Yeah. It's more collective than that. Yeah. Yeah. Snap. Snap, snap, snap. This is me snapping my fingers. I can't actually snap my fingers. I can't do it. I get a band-aid on this one because I've hanged out. <laughs> and we're even. So let's talk about, let's get into sort of um, uh, some quite like some stuff about tarot versus oracle because you create both of them. Mm-hmm. Coleman has, I don't even know how many oracle decks because you have the fairy tale series, which has multiple pieces of it, like yeah. the like Bluebeard one and the Red Riding Hood one, and then also the Personal Oracle and the Dark Exact Tarot and the Vitriolic Tarot, and I'm probably I'm probably forgetting some. But <laughs> and so I think it's I think it's probably actually helpful first, actually, before I launch into where I was going with that, to define the difference between tarot decks and oracle decks, just you know, to yeah. to set that out there. Uh, so how are 
tarot and oracle decks similar and how are they different in your opinion or like what defines a like an oracle deck? I think we probably, or a tarot deck actually. I was going to say, I think probably we know what that is, but I don't know, maybe you might have an interesting answer. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, probably just the common answer, but the, the biggest difference for me is that a, a tarot is a particular set system mm -hmm. that you're more or less following to make a deck. Mm -hmm. um, oracles can have systems as well, but with the tarot, it's a certain one, certain cards with certain meanings. In the very traditional sense, those cards have, you know, certain expected names. Yeah. There's a certain number of cards. It's divided into the same suits. So within tarot history, and especially now in contemporary tarot, there is more variation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, names are changing or have changed. There are decks that have a fifth suit. Mm -hmm. um, I added an additional card to the Major Arcana. I have two fools in mm -hmm. my deck, um, which I have since seen several other uh, creators oh, yeah. doing as well. Um, the The whole idea of adding another card to the majors mm -hmm. you see in various forms um, mm -hmm. in other decks. It's so it is flexible. People are finding very creative ways to work with that, to refresh it, mm -hmm. um, to shift it where they feel as creators that it needs to go. But still, even with all of the changes that we're experiencing in the realm of contemporary tarot, everyone is still pretty much working off of the same general structure. Mm -hmm. You're going to have around, you know, 78, 78 to, to 79 or so cards. Mm -hmm. You're going to have the four suits, even if maybe they're called something different. Mm -hmm. They probably are still going to have the connection to one of the four elements mm -hmm. that we commonly see. So the, the structure stays about the same. With yeah. Oracle decks, it just it depends. So historically... Oracle decks used to have more traditional structure. Mm -hmm. So if you think about uh, some of those early decks, like um, Lenormand decks, mm -hmm. for instance, which is like, it's a type of Oracle, and those continue to be produced now, also with very interesting variety and adjustments, you know, different cards, additional cards. But for instance, a, a classic Lenormand deck would have 36 cards. They would be certain cards. Mm -hmm. um, so no matter how the art might vary, you'd expect to see that certain system presented. Mm -hmm. um, now it's much more looser. So when we hear the word oracle, we're thinking... Well, we're probably not thinking anything very specific. We're thinking yeah. a, a group of cards. Yeah. Um, maybe they will have a, a certain theme mm -hmm. to that oracle. Um, they might have a structure, but if they do, the creator has determined what that structure is. So mm -hmm. when we just think generally about oracle decks, there is no one set structure that would be coming to mind. Yeah. So that's the difference for me. Yeah. It's funny that you you say that because um, while you were, were while you were speaking about historical oracle decks and you mentioned Lenormand, like I don't even think of Lenormand as an oracle deck now because my conception of oracle decks is just something that's so free and loose that it doesn't have like a set system that it's working on. Yeah. And so things even like um, 
like a Lenormand deck or um, like there's some like a illustrated uh, just playing card decks yeah. that are also um, used in a, a similar like in a yeah. similar way that like uh, I don't even think of those as oracle decks sure. anymore. Well, technically speaking, the tarot is an oracle, right? right. I mean, a, an oracle in the broadest sense is anything that we would be consulting mm-hmm. in order to predict the future, mm-hmm. um, you know, do any kind of divining or, you know, as they are more commonly used now, some sort of self-reflection mm-hmm. process of self-discovery through the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in that sense, yeah, any any of these card decks would be yeah. oracles. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Um, I love the freedom in that. And I love the that spirit of creation and like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very, I don't know, just a very like liberated... Yeah, super flexible. Yeah. Like basically whatever you're feeling, whatever you mm-hmm. want to accomplish, it's mm-hmm. a great vehicle for mm-hmm. expressing that. Yeah. But with freedom comes responsibility, <laughs> as they say, <laughs> in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, what do you think makes a good Oracle deck? Or what do you think makes a bad (laughs) if you want to go there but like there are i do find there are things that like um that really do help make a an oracle deck functional and useful and things like that so what might some of those things be yeah so i mean that's that's the whole point with these kind of tools right yes as artists who make these things we are expressing ourselves Mm -hmm. they are they are art in that way, but they're they're more than that. You know, it is also design work. These are tools. These are products, the objects being made for other people, not just us, mm-hmm. uh, to not just view, but to use, to interact with. And mm-hmm. so they have to actually function yeah. rather than just look beautiful, mm-hmm. um, I, I believe. So... To me, thinking along those lines, that sort of user-friendly kind of mode, I like some some sense of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, the oracles that I gravitate towards using, they're, they'll have a strong theme, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'll look at the thing and, and feel like, oh, this really has a reason to be. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. needs to, to be. And I, I can feel the brain of the creator working when I use the cards. They make sense. There's a logic to them. Um, It doesn't have to be a high degree of of structure. You know, it doesn't have to be that they've worked out a system that's as intensely organized as the tarot system would Mm -hmm. be. But some some sense of cohesion. Like, unless the theme is randomness, I think the randomness would probably bother me. More randomness, like... But I think more than randomness, a lack of consistency is what bothers me. Mm. Like if all of the forms of the names of things are just all over the place, mm-hmm. right? Some things are, uh, you know, nouns. Some things are actions. And that's mm. not part of the concept of the thing. Mm-hmm. That starts to feel like, you know, just a little lazy to me. Like yeah. things weren't totally thought through. And redundancy also, right. you know, especially in articles where, you know, since we're not working with a set number, there's no cap to it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you see these huge decks and, you know, there's maybe groups within it that are essentially saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, edit, you know, maybe not every single one of these cards needs to be there yeah. unless they are 
grouped in that way, right? Like they're all yeah. shades of, of one theme or something. And yeah. so that's part of the structure. You have all these like subgroups within it. Mm-hmm. Things like that are very interesting. But yeah, if it feels really mm-hmm. arbitrary, um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, it's harder to get into. Yeah. That makes me think of, um, I mean, I'm, I'm working on an Oracle deck right now. And one of the things that I've been thinking of a lot is, um, is like redundancy thing, which is also something that like you mentioned when you and I taught a class together at Seagrape, like in 2019. When was that? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. On, I think the class was on making a deck or so. I can't remember. Or right, no, maybe right, it was on it writing. Was writing. Yeah. Yeah, it was on like using like using tarot for yeah. writing. Yeah, good creative uses. Of yeah, arts. but as part of it, like you led an exercise where um, we were writing the descriptions. Oh, it was about writing a guidebook. Like, and it was oh, yes, like, the little white book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were writing, like, um, you know, like, what the terms would be in, like, the little white book. Yeah. And then you were talking about, like, okay, well, uh, what's redundant? Or, like, what word is better? Like, the meaning is so close that, like, do you need to say both of those words yeah. or terms in the guidebook? Like, maybe, like, sadness and heartbreak, you know? Like, do you need both of those are they distinct enough, et cetera? Right. And if you do, like, say say we're going to have sadness, not just Little White Book, but sadness mm-hmm. and heartbreak as cards in an in Oracle deck. deck, right? Yeah. Yes, totally justifiable. Yeah. But then that imagery better push me clearly in one direction and then the other with the other card. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, those are... Those are related words, but there's a difference there. So yeah. let the card show me that yeah. difference. Yes, 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 exactly. Okay, you put that really well. Um, and then I think of uh, the balance of, like, quote, good cards versus, quote, bad cards versus neutral cards or, like, the amount of ground that's being covered. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the things that I'm thinking about, which also has me thinking about things like, okay, well, does it need to be, like... 50 50 between good and bad or does it need to be like 33 percent good 33 percent neutral? you know and then i'm like well but like what what do we actually see in life right <laughs> is it is it all divided up like this what's necessary so i'm just like i'm like thinking about all these things so i was wondering if that's something that you think about when you're making um oracle decks like i mean because you it would be easy to make just like a devastating oracle <laughs> deck where like every card you pull is just like something awful but, like, would that be really, like, would that be used very frequently? I don't <laughs> By know. By some people. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, that is the other thing, right? Even in you trying to make those classifications, you know, what might seem like mm-hmm. a quote-unquote bad card to you might be neutral to me. Yeah. So it's really, it's hard to, it's hard to classify those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think my workaround has been to not think about it in those terms. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to actually, they're sort of all neutral mm-hmm. in a way. They just are. Mm-hmm. They are the, the things. Um, and with any one of, like, say, okay, the personal oracle deck of mine, for example, with any one of those cards, I could give you a list of what would be positive or uplifting mm-hmm. interpretations. Mm-hmm. And then I could also give you what might be the downfall of that card. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I can even give you an example. I didn't think about 
didn't talk about doing any reading or anything today, but like, okay. So the, just to, to, for people who don't know the personal Oracle, Oracle, as I've designed it, it comes with a journal, like mm-hmm. a blank book. Mm-hmm. There's some basic instructions for how to use the cards in different ways, suggestions for how to use the cards, but each user is meant to spend time with the cards and write about what the images mean to them. Yeah. Right. So that's part of why it's called the personal Oracle is that the imagery is personal to me, but it's also personal because it becomes a unique thing depending on how every uh, individual user is working with it and determining meaning. So like, for instance, I have this card of the hourglass. Um, So that could be, in a, you know, a neutral sense, just simply about time, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, in a negative way, that could be about pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be about feeling rushed to complete something. Mm-hmm. In a positive sense, because um, I do, there is more sand on the top than on the bottom in my depiction. Did I? No. Yeah, I did. I think I did. It's been so long now. Um, I think I did have that conversation about, okay, let's be optimistic. Um, but even that, even with more sand in the top, it doesn't mean you're not going to feel mm-hmm. pressure. Yeah. Right? Is, it, is it an egg timer? Like, it might not be very long. <laughs> it might be a minute left. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. It's a <laughs> um, But yeah, in a positive sense, you could feel... Like you have plenty of time because mm-hmm. most of the sand is at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the the cards are kind of flexible in that way, mm-hmm. and I want them to be mm-hmm. um, because not only is each individual person going to see something fresh in it, mm-hmm. but also every context in which the card appears is going to suggest a new level of meaning mm-hmm. that's probably going to move it maybe more to the positive or more to the negative, just mm-hmm. depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think about things like that in advance, you know, with the tarot, since I know the general structure ahead of time, I'm thinking much more about the, you know, the, the visual content mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. from the start. Mm-hmm. But with oracles, you know, because I don't have that guide, so the the art can't necessarily be like the the primary concern. Mm-hmm. For me, the the structure, thinking about the structure, always comes first. Okay. I might have some ideas about what some of the imagery will be, but I don't let myself get too far down that road mm-hmm. without having some sense of what the thing is about. Um, so, like with the personal oracle. It started as a tiny deck. It was a 10-card thing that I made just by hand, like mm-hmm. printed and cut myself uh, as part of a lecture I was doing at the Portland Art Museum. I wanted to give it out to everybody, and then we did an exercise together in interpretation. Yeah. And so that was how this whole idea about making an oracle that didn't have a guidebook came to be. Mm-hmm. Um so what I was going for then was, okay, what are classic oracle images? Like if you looked at some of those turn-of-the-century oracles, mm-hmm. what would you expect to see? You'd probably see the clover. You'd expect to see like maybe, I'm trying to remember which ones I used early on, the, like a bell, mm-hmm. um, a scythe, mm-hmm. um, a bouquet, like, you know, those really classic the rings, like the two joined rings yeah. or the diamond ring. They're just in most of those older decks and they continue to be in Lenormand decks now. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so I had those 10, I wanted the most common, common ones 
because I thought that would be a great conversation. They weren't, they wouldn't be too esoteric. They'd be common enough that everybody would just have lots of associations with those imageries. So we could have a really robust discussion about how we make meaning. Yes. Because I knew that we'd have commonalities. So people in the audience, you know, they would suggest some of the same things, which they did, but Mm -hmm. then there would be those nuances because Mm -hmm. as you know, as com- we have these common ideas, we also have different cultural associations and then different personal associations, mm-hmm. depending on how those images or objects have been, have or have not been part of our lives. Absolutely. Um, so then what I wanted to do was expand that oracle because it was just so much fun. So I started including things drawn in that same like kind of vintage style, mm-hmm. but but stuff that I cared about, um, mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't necessarily see in one of those Oracle decks. Um, as I did that, I started to see like pairs forming. Yeah. Um, they Not every card in the deck has a pair, but like, for instance, there's the finch and then there's the peacock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. There's the daisy mm-hmm. and then there's the poppy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... The, the the root, the leaf, the seed, mm-hmm. the flower, or I think it's called the bloom, and the fruit, mm-hmm. right? So covering all parts of growth cycle. Yeah. Um, there's the nails and there's the hammer, right? <laughs> so again, not everyone has its, its, its partner, mm-hmm. um, but there are these kind of groupings within yeah. that were interesting for me. Yeah. So in that one, um, it sounds like, like, were you going, since it's all personal symbolism, did you like make a list of personal symbols and then like choose from that list to make like a balanced deck? Because that sounds like the imagery maybe came before the system rather than the other way around. Yeah, it it was both. So it started, um, you know, just with that handful of cards. And then I started making the list of like, okay, what else could go in here? Um, And then as I started to flesh it out, it's like certain cards would just suggest other cards to me. So then I'd, I'd fill those in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the fairy tale oracles. It's really a different process because the story already exists. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I do with those is just read the story through again, several times mm-hmm. and figure out, okay, what are the, the basic things here that I would draw that would represent that story. Because mm-hmm. again, they're all objects. Mm-hmm. So there's no, you know, I'm not drawing characters. I'm not putting things in scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just the these basic storytelling components of all of the, like the objects or the settings of the story. Yeah. So those kind of tell themselves or build themselves, I guess, because I'm working off of something that already exists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas with the other Oracle deck, which is just this big amorphous, well, not exactly amorphous, it's corralled now, but it, it, the content in it could come from literally anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's this huge pool of information from which to draw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, the, um, what are the different fairy tales in your fairy tale Oracle series? So I first did East of the Sun, West of the Moon, mm-hmm. uh, then Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Bluebeard, 
Um, and then what I'm doing at this point is combining them. So this is oh, already... All, I think I knew that. Yeah, this was the, the idea from the start is I would do a few of them released individually. Um, and then I would choose my favorite cards from those. Then add a couple more stories and release that as one set. And then whenever I feel like it, illustrate a few more cards from a different story. And then those mm-hmm. get, you know, like you can do upgrade packs mm-hmm. that get mixed in Um, because the whole idea in having them blended is well I mean that's kind of like how folk narrative works in that there are certain um, tale types and motifs that recur Mm -hmm. right so um, you know you could have like let's see I'm trying to think of a good example you know maybe like a certain magical object right that Mm -hmm. is featured in multiple stories mm-hmm. um all these different kind of of objects mm-hmm. that recur story after story culture after culture mm-hmm. all over the world mm-hmm. um so it interests me to have a card that has a flexibility right like it could yeah. it could be part of this story it could be part of this story and yeah. then all of the cards could be used to create new stories mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like that a lot. Um, so you already started talking a little bit about your process there mm-hmm. um, with uh, sort of the dual, like the different approaches that you take when you're starting a tarot deck versus when you're starting an oracle deck. Um, I was just wondering if uh, that you find that process. Well, it sounds like that process does change a little bit from deck to deck depending on which one you're creating. Um, but I'm also wondering if there's anything else that you want to share about the process of making these decks at all like at large or maybe like the end parts and the editing or even the revisions later because that's a thing that you've done oh man I know <laughs> the hardest thing to me is like calling it like saying it's done mm-hmm. because as you can see you know many editions later in some cases well it wasn't done mm-hmm. um but I definitely would rather put something out there knowing that maybe I will revise it later mm-hmm. than sit on it for two years or yeah. worse, never finish it, never mm-hmm. put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, yeah, kind of loosened up a little bit in, yeah. in my thinking on that so that I could be more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that those early ones were flawed. Exactly. Yeah, no. uh, it just means that, I wanted to see something different Mm -hmm. or try something different or, you know, I discovered new technologies for making, Mm -hmm. you know, like a different card finish that I like better that I didn't have access to initially, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, for anyone who's used any of the Dark Exact decks over the years, they probably noticed that it it keeps changing size. Mm -hmm. Um, So then... Sorry, everybody. I know I get a lot of feedback like, oh, well, I like that size. But then (laughs) for everyone who says they like the tiny ones, there's an equal number of people who are saying, why did you make the deck so small? So uh, that's a hard one to to decide. And I don't want to have to produce multiple sizes at once. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the current one is sort of like a happy medium. Yeah. The one that just came out, it's three inches by four inches, which is smaller than a standard tarot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also smaller than my original deck, Mm -hmm. but it's larger than the little miniature bridge size ones that I was doing for a while. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. kind of right in the middle. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like, I really love the idea. I'm very into the idea of um, things evolving mm -hmm. and of decks evolving and of systems evolving. Yeah. I think that that's really essential um, to keep a, like a system alive and relevant, yeah. you know? And so I, I love that idea of just being like, this thing is, this thing is exactly what it needs to be now. Mm -hmm. And I also know that that might change in the future and then it'll be exactly what it needs to be then. You know, it's true. I mean, one of the things I think about a lot, like I didn't change uh, other than one card. I didn't change naming at all. Mm -hmm. And the more I go on and the more I teach tarot, the more I think that the court mm -hmm. hierarchy, mm -hmm. the traditional names for that are just so irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> um so that's one thing I've been thinking for future projects that mm -hmm. I might just let go of the whole queen king thing. Uh -huh. um, there's a lot of satisfying solutions that other deck makers have come up with for that in mm -hmm. recent years. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to just copy one of theirs. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, would want to figure out my own yeah. progressive system uh, to name those, but. Yeah, I love I love that as, as you know because I'm so much about like gender problems mm -hmm. <laughs> in tarot. So yeah. I love I love that re renaming and also because like yeah that feudal um, hierarchy is totally relevant now <laughs> and nobody even knows what a page is anymore. <laughs> and like I mean I, I I chose not to do that for my first deck for Fifth Spirit uh, for several reasons, but also because like I know there's a I know it can be confusing for readers when, like, names change. Yeah. But, like, it, you know, it is it is something that I think about a lot. But then I'm also, I can't come up with any, I haven't yet been able to come up with better renamings than the ones that are out there. Yeah. And I don't want to copy, like, just straight up lift something. I know. And, but then I'm also like, but what do we do when something is just so good and gets it so right and we just keep, like, finding synonyms <laughs> for it? Like, that just seems stupid and painful. I know, I know. Uh, I uh, I really am not sure what to do about that. And, but I also, I, I appreciate what you said about, you know, wanting to, to still make it accessible for people who maybe are f more familiar with the, the traditional system. I think that I felt like I was already deviating so much mm -hmm. with the imagery mm -hmm. in this deck. Oh, yeah, it was totally so non-standard yeah. that... If I didn't give people something familiar to, yeah, to have as a, a foundation that they might not bother with this deck, <laughs> um, I think I was I think I was wrong yeah. about that. I don't I don't I think I was thinking too harshly. Um, also, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier today, actually, that if we if we keep coming up with excuses like that, then mm. we're perpetuating what we've already agreed as a sort of broken system mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i need mm -hmm. to do some more thinking on that mm -hmm. yeah we both do we both do it. we all do <laughs> yeah well we got time we yeah. can do it yeah i mean this is certainly not my last deck i don't know about you but <laughs> oh no no <laughs> i'm not stopping <laughs> um okay let's see i want to know just out of curiosity do you think that like tarot and oracle cards serve different purposes or are like better suited to particular kinds of questions or spreads or uses or how do you use them in your personal practice if you're willing to share that sure yeah that's a really good question um i mean really they're i think that they are interchangeable mm -hmm. 
I think if you're a good reader, you can read with anything. Yeah. Um, it, you know, tarots tend to be larger, long, longer, more cards, mm-hmm. um, which given the, the system, no, not always, yeah. but more often than not, yeah. but given the system with the minor arcana, I think that they typically contain more detailed information. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking to do something nuanced, maybe tarot is mm-hmm. the way to go. If mm-hmm. you're looking to really get into the details of a situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. choose the deck that has that flexibility, that, that has that variety. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas an Oracle deck, I feel, you know, kind of like how the major arcana has so, uh, it, almost like they're more condensed. Mm-hmm. I feel like Oracle decks sometimes have that quality. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, a broader theme for each card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of how, you know, the majors in tarot have that, that broad, big idea. And then the minors are like the daily manifestation of mm-hmm. that idea. Mm-hmm. 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 So an Oracle deck often is going to have those big ideas, but then not have those detail yeah. details available. So you'd have to unpack it more. Yeah. Maybe. That makes sense. That makes sense. I was also thinking about, uh, you know, a lot of Oracle decks have a very specific sort of theme. Yeah. So it might, there might be one that's about, healing or there might be one where like all the cards cards are in emotion or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. something like that and so that would serve itself for a very particular purpose yeah like you'd know how to use it sure yeah. sure yeah. um which is something i really like about it's like very tailored decks. yes for sure yeah um and some oracle decks feel just like a pep talk in a box uh-huh, too uh-huh, you know uh-huh. um some of the ones that have a lot of text on the cards mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know you know how to use that like mm-hmm. you trying to figure out how to feel that day, how to proceed that day. Um, you know, you're, you're stuck and you want to know how to move on. Mm-hmm. Those cards are going to just flat out tell you. Mm-hmm. Tarot is not necessarily going to do that, right? Yeah. It's going to be, it's, again, it's going to be more nuanced. I like mixing them in readings. Okay. So um, a lot of times, um, you know, maybe I'll draw, I'll be doing a tarot-based reading, but I'll pull the card from an oracle deck to like as a clarifier or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, follow-up question sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, I feel like they work together really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, so like this just popped into my head when thinking about tarot and oracle and how they work slightly differently. And also, like you and I were talking before we started recording about um, the tarot and about some of the like um, like magical principles that go into it or like the hermetic principles or mm-hmm. things like that. And so a question I have or something I, I think about or wondering about is like, um, and it, you know, from what we were talking about with the Hierophant too, mm-hmm. um, this idea of, let me see if I can articulate this. Uh, some things like tarot or like Lenormand or things with that are, pred- are predicated on a system are sort of carrying this like history or legacy with them, which comes with like a kind of power, mm-hmm. especially like a, you know, maybe an archetypal or like a ceremonial sort of power or usage. 
And then oracle decks are often just like sprung just directly from the heart or mind of the creator, um, are like, you know, totally new, futuristic even, like, like who knows? So that makes me think like what gives the decks or the cards their power? And I think that applies hmm. both to like tarot and oracle. Like what makes a thing magical? What makes it work? Sure. You know, like, is it this magical uh, sort of imbuing from long use or is it whatever the fuck happens in our heads when we like look at a card or a word? Do you have thoughts or opinions about that? Mm, that is a, that's a tough one. Cause you <laughs> might as well just ask me if I believe in God. So, um, <laughs> do you believe in God? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot of things and I think it, you know, it varies so much from person to person. And so therefore I think that all of those things are true mm -hmm. because what matters is what the person using them feels and believes. Mm -hmm. I personally believe that magic is carried to the cards from the tremendous amount of effort that it takes to make the deck. Mm -hmm. So, or, okay, maybe this is, I don't mean that in an ego way. I mean that in a hopeful way of, I care so much about this thing and dedicate so much of myself to this thing mm -hmm. and not just the decks, but anything that I create as a visual artist, that it is my absolute hope that the person receiving it on the other end can feel that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they can feel me. That isn't what it is, but that they can feel the energy of it, the magic of it. Yeah. So that would say then, I guess that, that I do believe there's a, you know, energy yeah. moving around, yeah. connecting everything, transferring mm -hmm. back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, I really believe that a lot of what makes, what powers the tarot is, in addition to just natural energy, it's symbolism, the way that symbolism works, mm -hmm. the way that every human experience is in the cards. Mm -hmm. So what that's calling up for you when a card appears mm -hmm. is every experience you've ever had with that thing. Yeah. Um, and in ways you don't even realize, mm -hmm. right? So all of these layers of meaning constantly shifting around, mm -hmm. um, recombining mm -hmm. to make new meaning. So it's, Maybe not even necessarily that like, oh, it's magic. You've got exactly the card that fits your situation. It's more that the way that we're structured, we're calling up so much content that we're making a meaning. We're making a connection. We're finding the way that the card that came up is relevant to our situation, mm -hmm. is guiding us, right? Mm -hmm. It feels like magic, mm -hmm. and maybe it is magic, but it also is just a really complex working of our fascinating brains mm -hmm. that speak all of these symbolic languages. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a great answer. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> that did not come out smoothly. <laughs> it came out perfectly. Um, yeah, I love that. It doesn't mean I haven't had incredibly uncanny experiences during readings. Mm -hmm. I have. Mm -hmm. Things that do feel like pure magic. So mm -hmm. none of that is to say that I am any kind of disbeliever. Mm -hmm. 
and I, you know, right now I'm, I'm side eyeing all my decks in the room, like trying to send them little vibes to not be mad at me. Exactly. (laughs) Because I do feel like they are creatures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do feel that every single one of them is alive in some way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that is also why I, I favor vintage decks. Mm-hmm. I like objects that have been handled by lots of unknown others. Oh. Um, I do not believe that that can be corrupting because when the thing transfers to me, it's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're not, it's, they're not tainted. Yeah. Um, but just the collected energy from just sheer use. Yes. Really infuses an object with power. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was, that's sort of like one of my personal answers for the impossible question that I just asked you (laughs) is that it comes from, it comes from like the act of using it and like the weird thing that happens between the card and the, the making the meaning in our heads and relationship to it, like you were talking about. But also I do think that objects accumulate, accumulate power Mm-hmm. overuse. And I think that that can come from many different places. So I think it, of course, comes from actual use, handling, reading with it, doing whatever. Um, but I think it also comes from that symbolism that you were talking about, like powerful ideas or symbols that really are arresting for people and have particular meaning. Um, or like, I think of words that have been said over and over and over again through the course of centuries, whether it's like in prayers or whatever. Like, I think that those kind of things, they take on power with use. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's why like the, the creation process is part of it for me too. So I mean, you can tell the difference. There's a completely different vibe that say like a a fully handmade deck has from some Mm -hmm. mass produced deck that you bought on, you know, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, some store somewhere, mm-hmm, we'll just say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of those decks were made on a machine. Yep. There's still a lot of energy involved. And at some point, you know, humans it touched them all and packed them. And, you know, so mm-hmm. even just that frenzy of activity, I imagine, is infusing the decks with some kind of essence. But mm-hmm. that never been used to read by anybody, has a vibe. A deck that I, like, say, you know, carve blocks for and print on my press, cut apart myself, hand round the corners. Wow. Yeah, something like that. Just sitting there next to that other deck. One of them is going to be still, and one of them is going to be completely vibrating. Which one do you think is vibrating? Right? Not the (laughs) Amazon deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. (laughs) I believe in that. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes a difference. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that rich? Weren't you taking notes? (laughs) That was part one of our conversation with Coleman Stevenson. Uh, This is just a reminder that there's more to come. Don't forget to tune in next week for part two, uh, where things get like even spicier. (laughs) And until then, stay magical. Thanks 
for listening to The Word Witch. This show is produced, edited, and everything all entirely by me, Charlie Claire Burgess. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. If you like what you hear, you can support this show on Patreon uh, for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash the word witch tarot, where you'll also get to hear extras from this very conversation that didn't make it into the show because we talked for an hour and a half. Please check me out on Instagram at the.word.witch or at my website, thewordwitchtarot.com, where you can find my tarot deck, Fifth Spirit Tarot, along with other goodies and cool things. Thanks for listening and stay magical.